everyone. Welcome to this week's episode where we're with um, Andrew Radigan from Radigan Real Estate. Andrew, how are you getting on? Hi, Kenneth. Pleasure to be here. Good, good. Glad glad to see you again in the flesh and not behind a, a Zoom call. I know, yeah. You're seeing more than just my eyes today. That's <laughs> the whole thing. Um, so listen, we're gonna, today we're going to talk about local property tax. Um, we believe it's a very common question that we're both getting um, from both PropTech and a real estate agent, as Andrew is at the moment. Yeah, absolutely, Kenneth. I think I'm uh, on everyone's speed dial at the moment coming to uh, property tax, uploading it online, definitely. So um, we've probably all seen this letter we've got in the post. So, what, Andrew, what does the letter mean uh, to me as an, as an owner or an occupier of a property? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think everyone gets a little bit nervous when they see the brown envelope marked revenue. We all assume we're in the bad books or we're in trouble. But the practicality is they're just recalibrating uh, costs for people to understand what the most up-to-date pricing is for houses. Uh, it hasn't been done for some time, so it's just a, it's a normal process and nothing to be afraid of. Super. And, you know, who, who then values my property? Well, this system is actually self-assessed. But basically, if you own a property, whether you live in it or not, you have to pay property tax. And Revenue have a great website, and they're trying to guide you based on certain types of colour schemes for certain areas you live in. And it gives you a sense of what's expected, and the process is quite simple. Super. How do I find out the value of my, my own property? You need to take a, a simple, candid approach. I think a lot of people support a call over the years would have been the likes of the property price register. The challenge with that is that it's open to human error. So if someone's put in the name of your housing address wrong, incorrectly, or in a different language, it's not as easy to find. Um, I've actually found there's more specific tools, like say, for example, IPI, that actually works congruently with the property tax register or property price register. And it means that you can suss out what roads are as close enough to your house, what houses are as similar enough as possible to yours, and it'll give you a gauge on what price your house is. I try and use two to three examples, make a note of them or print them out, keep them on record, and then it just means you've done your best to try and gauge the most accurate price of your property. Let's say I didn't have access to the World Wide Web and I'm phoning up an estate agent. You know, what do I do? What does that process look like for, let's use Mary Bloggs, living on the north side of Dublin, wanting to know what her family home is worth? I think Mary Bloggs, probably, it's probably one of the most understated um, parts of what an agent does. It, you can pick figures out of the sky for the sake of it, but when it matters, you need a bit of guidance on it. My opinion is always much like going to a doctor. If it's going to cost you 150 euro to have someone give you a professional a piece of paper from a professional service that tells you what they believe your property is worth, they're going to guide you from start to finish as to how they arrived at that price. Me personally, I would always try and ask someone what their opinion is of a property because it means that you're not going to underpay and you understand why you're choosing a certain bracket uh, as a price point for your house. So it's worth paying for if you're not comfortable doing it yourself. And let's stay on the topic of Mary for a second. What happens if Mary's property is undervalued? This can happen. I think a lot of people, when they don't have a sale at the front of their mind or they mentally think, well, I'm here for the long haul, I'm not going anywhere, there can be temptation to underpay or make an argument that your property isn't as nice as Joe Blocks beside Mary Blocks. He might have the fancy extension or the nice setup inside. But the practicality is as soon as you go to sell or if your circumstances change, you do have to have a property clearance certificate for that property. So if you underpay, 
you will have to pay the piper at some point. So if your property was valued at 500,000 and you're selling in a busy market, I wonder when that could be, um, you might sell it for 800,000. There will be a clear difference between what you were paying and what you achieved price point wise. And that's where you have to explain why you underpaid. Okay, and an overpricing of properties in, in, let's say, some of the more prime real estate areas around Ireland um, with views or on specific, you know, sites. Um, what happens if the price band is, is outside of, you know, they're going to pay more tax, surely? Um, they are, yeah, absolutely. And I think at the higher price points, I found that people err on the side of caution. So obviously at the higher end, you're dealing with someone who has a different... Uh, different means and they have a different way of looking at property and purchasing property. I'm very mindful that each property can be taken on its own merits. So a view of Dawkey Island is not always something that falls into revenues plan on the map. My opinion is if in doubt, pay a little bit more and then it means you're covering yourself should you get a higher than anticipated price. Um, It's not something that people are going to get punished for explicitly if they make an error or if something happens to happen out of the blue that a property is worth more than they anticipated. It just means that there will be simple sums done that if the price is averaged out and you underpaid, you pay more. If you overpay, in my opinion, you're just covering yourself on the off chance that you do have to pay more. Let's look at the first time buyers because I'm sure there's a lot of them um, in, in the Irish market at the moment wondering, you know, what do we do? We go online, we talk to an agent. How do we look at, let's say, the 50 to 100, 100K end of the market? Um, how do we look at getting it? Obviously, you've answered some of the questions today, but you know, first-time buyers, I'm sure there's a lot of new areas that they haven't even delved into and they need the confidence. They may not have confidence within a specific agent or, or that relationship. What would you say is, 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 is the best route for them? In terms of someone who's a first-time buyer, I think knowledge is power, but I also think in Ireland, we probably don't value services uh, as part of our journey. We normally rely on mum and dad, family and friends. And although I'm a buyer's agent as well, I'm a big believer in paying for something to outsource accountability and outsource trust. And it doesn't have to be me. It could be someone who you make an agreement with that will guide you on the process, but it means that it gets your internal thought process outside and you have someone that has a vested interest in making sure you are um, guided in the right direction but also someone who doesn't have emotion attached to it and I think that's probably the biggest challenge for people they're set loose in the world with financial approval and a lot of the time they don't particularly know really clearly what it is they want. Super. So just a couple last questions. Obviously, we spoke before on, you know, your, your biggest challenges and you've obviously come, come through a couple more in the industry. Um, how and why have you got into property? I think the plain answer and the honest answer is I genuinely care about other people, but I also know I'm really good at what I do. And I think I'm of the mind frame and I surround myself with people that think quite similarly is that there's enough business out there for everybody, whatever line of work you're in. And I think property is so dynamic and so changeable that your personality, your way of doing things can really set you apart in a certain field. And that's why I would love to see property become almost a a kind of an ecosystem where agents survive and thrive in individual patches together, apart, 
and um, there's that kind of cohesive working environment where I can guide someone and help them one day and they're connecting me with someone else the next. And I would love to see that in property. And that's one big part of kind of my uniqueness is what I want to bring to my offering as my company. But also property is here for the long haul in whatever facet that may be, commercial, residential, the advent of the change in rental structure, property ownership as we know it, and also how families live in this amazing city of ours. Mm. I just want to be a part of it. So looking at looking at the last time we, we, we did the podcast, funnily enough, it was the 9th of December 2020, so we're actually ahead of ourselves. Okay. In terms of the evolution of technology and how it's impacted both your own work and the industry's work, I think we're definitely pushing the needle in the right direction. What do you believe in your own, let's put your agent hat back on, is the most exciting trends within the tech space that have really allowed you to do what you've done over the last 11 months? I think if you are open, and this is a lesson I continue to learn, is if you're open to looking at technology as being absolutely limitless in what it can do for you, rather than simply something you have to do because someone told you, I think we can empower ourselves to learn more as agents and professionals, learn more in terms of relationships, automate systems that don't normally serve us, that we're wasting our time on. And I think we're only really at the beginning of this process of learning what tech can do to help clients, help us as agents, help the industry as a whole, and really change how we manage our time, manage information, and maximize the customer experience. Super. I don't think you would have said that this time last year, would you? No, I think I would have just had an idea of what I thought would work well. But a big part of my journey is being completely open to be proven wrong, which I'm always delighted because it means I learned something. I'll tell you you're wrong, don't worry. No, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> so what advice would you give to someone? I, I know I asked you this before, but you've gone and done it yourself, and I think it's, it is commendable to see. What advice would you give to someone who wants to get into the industry? I think uh, one word said three times, coffee, coffee, coffee. <laughs> and by that I mean reach out to people who you feel might be able to guide you, help you, teach you. And don't be afraid that they are an agent that may not be in a company that you feel like you're going to be opposed to or a competitor in. Don't be afraid to ask someone for an introduction. And do not be afraid to not know everything. Because when you show yourself to be eager and curious to learn and also to drive value for others in your own way, it just becomes this symbiotic relationship of constant evolution, constant change and constant upscaling in a variety of ways. Brilliant. Okay, well, I think we're going to leave it short and sweet today. Um, thanks very much, Andrew. Um, My pleasure. Great to be here again. That's great. Guys, it's going to be on the link below. Um, and thanks again for jumping on.